0: Chapter Seventy One of the Headless Horseman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Headless Horseman: A Strange Tale of Texas by Maine Reed. Chapter Seventy One: The Sorrel Horse. Inspired by his passionate appeal, the hunter hastened towards the stable, where he had stalled his unique specimen of horse flesh he found the critter sonorously shelling some corn-cobs which pluto had placed liberally before her pluto himself was standing by her side contrary to his usual habit the sable groom was silent though with an air anything but tranquil he looked rather trist than excited it might be easily explained the loss of his young master by pluto much beloved the sorrow of his young mistress equally estimated perhaps some scornful speeches which he had already been treated to from the lips of morinda and still more likely a kick he had received from the boot-toe of captain cassius for several days assuming sole mastery over the mansion amply accounted for the unique expression observable on his countenance zeb was too much occupied with his own thoughts to notice the sorrowful mien of the domestic he was even in too great a hurry to let the old mare finish her meal of maize which she stood greatly in need of grasping her by the snout he snuck the rusty snaffle between her teeth pulled her long ears through the cracked leathern head straps and turning her in the stall was about to lead her out it was a reluctant movement on the part of the mare to be dragged away from such provender as she rarely chanced to get between her jaws she did not turn without a struggle, and Zeb was obliged to pull vigorously on the brittle rein before he could detach her muzzle from the manger. "'Ho, ho, mass-tump!' interposed Pluto. "'Why you be go way in that big hurry? "'De poor old ma, she no half got em feed. "'Why you no let her fill her belly with de corn. "'Ha, ha! "'It do her power a good. "'Han't got time, nigger. "'Go off on a bit o' the journey.' Got about a hundred mile to make in less'n a couple of hours, ho, ho! Dat air de fastest kind o' travellin'. You'm joking, Miss Trump? No, I ain't. "'Garamity. why dey do make one full journey on dese here prairies? I reckon dat ere hoss must a travelled two hundred mile de other night. What hoss? De old all there, in dat first tan from de dews, massa Calhoun hoss. What makes ye think he travelled two hundred mile? Case he turn home all kinner ober wolf de froth. Beside, he wa a so done up de scarce able walk, When dis chilly lead erm down to the ribba fo em drink. He tagger like a new drop calf. Ho, ho, he wa broke down. He wa? Oh, what night air palaverin' plute? What night? Let's see. Why? cos de night massa henry wa mess from de plantation dat same night in de mornin bout an hour adder de sun get up into de hebbings i no see de old sorrel afore den case i no out ob my skeeter bar till after daylight den i come across to de table here and den i see dat quadrumpied all kibbered over with sweet and froth lookin like he'd swim through de big river. "'and Patton, if he's just finished fo mile race "'on de Meteria course at New Orleans, "'Who had him out that night?' "'Don't know, Massa Tump, only dat nobody lowered the ride to Sorrel, "'cept Massa Cabhoon himself. "'Ho, ho, near a body load lay leg o'er dat critter. "'Why, wanted himself that took the animal out?' "'Don't know, Massa Tump, don't know why nor de wa for.' dis chilly nader said de captain take him out nor fotch him in if you're air true bout his bein in such a sweat somebody must a hid him out and been ridin to him ha ha somebody must dat ain't certain looky here plute Ye ain't a bad sort o of a darky though your skin air a suit color i reckon you're tellin the truth and you know who rud out the sorrel that night but who do you think it war i only axin because you know Mr. Pointdexter ere a friend of mine, and I don't want his property be abused. No more what belongs to Cap'n Calhoun. Sutton of the field, niggers, I reckon he have stolen animal out of the stable, and have ridin' it all round the country. That's it, ain't it? Well, no, ma'am, Tump. Dis chilly don't believe dat ain't it. De foul hands not loud inside here. Dey darn't comin' to de table, nohow. Twan ain't nigger upon this plantation, as looked out to sorrel that night. Dern it, then... Who kid a took him out? Maybe the overseer. War it him? D'ye think? Twan him neither. Who then can it be? Unless it war the owner of the hoss himself? So there's an end o' it. He had the right to hide his critter wherever he pleased, and gallop it to hell if it war agreeable to him. It ain't no business o' mine. Ho, ho! Nor mine neither, mass Tump. Wish I'd thought that way this mornin'. Why do ye wish that? What happened this mornin' to change your tune? ho what happened this mornin dar happened to this nigger, great great misfortin ho ho Barry Miss misfortin what war it golly massa tump Isa got kicked dis merry morning, just bout an hour about twelve o'clock in the day kicked that i did show all round the table oh by the hosses which o the brutes kicked ye ho ho you mistaken not any o the hosses but the masses of them all except little spotty duh. De which he don't own i want kicks kicked by mass cahoon the hell with you for what reason you must have been misbehavin yourself nigger this nigger wasn't misbehavin at all not as he knows on i know only the captain what put o' the sorrel in such dreadful condition that ere night and what makin i de tire down he say it not my business and then he kicked me and then he lured me with the cowhide and then he threatened and then he tell me if I ever peek out that same thing other time, he gimme hudder lashes of de wagon whip. He swa, oh, how he swa, this chilly neba mas Cahoon so mad, neba in all my life, but whar's he now? I don't see him nowhere about the premises, and I reckon he ain't run out, seein' as the sorrel's here. Golly, yes, massed Tump, he jestin' rode out at this time, he up late go very much away from the house, and de long time. A hossback. Just so, he go on de steel gray. Ha ha! He don't ride de sorrel much now. He ain't had mo' on what since de night de ole hoss wa out. Dat night we peekin' bout. Maybe he think he had enough hard ridin' den. He need long o Look ye here, Plute," said Zeb, after standing silent for a second or two, apparently engaged in some abstruse calculation. After all, I reckon I would better let the old mare have another year or two of the corn. He'd not a long spell o' travelin' before her. "'and she mout break down on the journey, "'the more haste air sometimes the worse her speed, "'and therefore I calculate "'I better give the critter her time. "'While she's munchin' a mouthful, "'I ked do the same myself. "'S'pose, then, you scoot across to the kitchen "'and see if there ain't some with chawin' stuff there, "'a bit o' cold meat and pone o' corn o' bread o' do. "'Your young mistress wanted to have something to eat, "'but I were skeer about delayin' and refused. "'Now while I'm waitin' on the mar,' I reckon I could pick a bone, just to pass the time. Sartin' you could, mass Tump. I'll go fotch on in the hundredth part of the instant. So saying, the black-skinned Jess started off across the patio, leaving Zeb Stump sole master of the stole. The air of indifference, with which he had concluded his dialogue with Pluto, disappeared. The moment the latter was outside the door. It had been altogether assumed, as was proved by the earnest attitude that instantly replaced it. Strutting across the paved causeway that separated the two rows of stalls, he entered that occupied by the sorrel. The animal shied off and stood trembling against the wall, perhaps awed by the look of resolution with which the hunter had approached it. "'Stand still, you brute,' chided Zeb. "'I don't mean to harm to you, though by your looks I reckon you're as vicious as your master. "'Stand still, I say, and let's have a look at your footgear.' So saying, he stooped forward and made an attempt to lay hold of one of the forelegs. It was unsuccessful. The horse suddenly drew up his hoof and commenced hammering the flags with it, snorting as if in fear that some trick was about to be played upon him. "Durn your ugly carcage, cried Zeb, angrily venting the words. Why don't you stand still? Who's going to hurt you? Come, old critter, he continued coaxingly. I only want to see how you've been shod. Again he attempted to lift the hoof. But was prevented by the restive behavior of the horse. Wall, this ere difficulty I didn't expect. Muttered he, glancing round to see how it might be overcome. What's to be did? It'll never do to have the nigger help me, nor yet see what I'm about. The which he will if I don't get quick through with it. Dog gone the hoss! How am I to get his feet up? For a short while he stood considering; his countenance showing a peevish impatience. "'Cuss, the critter!' he again exclaims, "'I feel the knockin' him over where ye stand. "'Ha! Now I have it. "'If the nigger will only gea time, "'I hope the wench will keep him waitin'. Durn ye, I'll make ye stand still, "'or choke ye dead if he won't. With this round, yer, judge war. "'I reckon ye won't be so skittish.' While speaking, he had lifted the trail rope from his own saddle, and throwing its noose over the head of the sorrel. He shook it down till it encircled the animal's neck then hauling upon the other end he drew it taut as a bowstring the horse for a time kept starting about the stall and snorting with rage but his snorts were soon changed into a hissing sound that with difficulty escaped through his nostrils and his wrath resolved itself into terror the rope tightly compressing his throat was the cause of the change zeb now approached him without fear and after making the slip fast commenced lifting his feet one after the other Scrutinizing each in great haste, but at the same time with sufficient care he appeared to take note of the shape, the shoeing, the number and relative position of the nails, in short, everything that might suggest an idiosyncrasy or assist in a future identification. On coming to the off hind foot, which he did last of the four, an exclamation escaped him that proclaimed some satisfactory surprise. It was caused by the sight of a broken shoe, nearly a quarter of which was missing from the hoof. "'the fracture having occurred at the second nail from the kinker. "'If I'd know o' you,' he muttered in apostrophe to the imperfect shoe, "'I might have saved myself from the trouble of examining the t'others. "'There ain't much chance of mistake in the print you'd be likely to leave, ain't ye? "'To make sure, I'll just take ye along with me.' "'In conformity with this resolve, he drew out his huge hunting knife, "'the blade of which, near the hilt, was a quarter of an inch thick, "'and inserting it under the piece of iron.' he wrenched it from the hoof taking care to have the nails along he transferred it to the capacious pocket of his coat then nimbly gliding back to the trail rope he undid the knot and restored the interrupted respiration of the sorrel pluto came in the moment after bringing a plentiful supply of refreshments including a tumbler of the monongalia and to these Zeb instantly applied himself, without saying a word without the interlude that had occurred during the Darkleys' absence. The latter, however, did not fail to perceive that the sorrel was out of sorts, for the animal, on finding itself released, stood shivering in the stall, gazing around in a sort of woe-begone wonder, after the rough treatment to which he had been submitted. "'Garamity!' exclaimed the black. "'What am de matter with de old hoss? Ho, ho, he look like he wa' afeared o' you!' Mass tump oh yes drawled zeb with seeming carelessness i reckon he are in a bit afeard. he war a makin to git at me old mar so i git him a larrup or two with the end of my trail rope that's what rousted him pluto was perfectly satisfied with the explanation and the subject was permitted to drop look here plute said zeb starting another who does the shuttin o your cattle there's some of the hands ere a smith i reckon ho ho dat dare i'm yell jake he do shoein fo what you ask Mass trump Well, i war thinkin o havin a couple o shoes put on the hind feet on the mar i reckon jake ud do it for me ho ho he do it a thousand welcome dat he will I's a shoe question is kin i spare the time to wait how long do it take him to put on a couple lor Mass tamp Very short while jake rate right handle it business Everybody say so. He mustn't have the materials ready. It depends on whether he's been shoein lately. How long's it since he's shot any a yorn? More'n a week, I believe, massa Eb. Ho, ho! Do last war miss a Louis Hoss de beautiful potty dar? But dat won't make no difference. I know he hab de fixins already. I knows it. Case he go for shoe de sorrel. De ole Hoss hab one o' de hind shoe broke. He hab it so de last ten day. "'and Mascaroon he gib orders for it to be removed. "'Ho, ho, dis very mornin' I hear him tell Jake. arter all,' rejoined Zeb, as if suddenly changing his mind, "'I don't have the time to spare. "'I reckon I'll let the old critter do without it till I come back. "'The tramp I'm goin' on, most part of it, lies over grass peria, "'and won't hurt her.' "'No, I haven't time,' he added, "'after stepping outside and glancing up towards the sky. "'I must be off from here, in the shakin' of the goat's tail.' Now, old gal, you got to stop your munchin' and take this bit of iron atwixt your teeth. Open your corn trap for it. That's the putty pet. And so, continuing to talk, now to Pluto, now to the mare, he once more adjusted the headstall, led the animal out, and clambering into the saddle, rode thoughtfully away. End of chapter 71